Welcome, everyone, to the AI and Business Podcast. I'm Matthew DeMello, Senior Editor here at Emerge. Today's guest is Elon Kazi, Chief Data Officer at Blue Cross North Dakota. He joins us in the first of two episodes to discuss the strides we've seen AI take over the years in terms of diagnostics, largely driven by visual data in radiology and elsewhere. But this is not to discount where we're seeing compelling use cases in text and language data, especially with how the healthcare space has reacted, much like us all, to the emergence of chat GPT and large language models. Without further ado, here's our conversation. Thanks so much for being on the program today, Elon. So diving right in, we've seen over the last half decade an AI transformation in in diagnostics, but in the healthcare space, this is, this is very nuanced. It's not taking off everywhere in diagnostics. So to dive right in, where do we see AI catching on in diagnostics and where is it not catching on? I see the biggest area that it's caught on just in terms of overall overall topics, has been within radiology. So everything from imaging to scanning and anything that, you know, kind of creates a picture, right? And so I, I think yep. where I see it really catching on within radiology is helping to assist in in different diagnoses. So everything from cancer to retinopathy in the eye, I mean, I, I think the sky's the limit. And the reason why it's, it's taken off so much is because many of these algorithms have been trained on, on massive data sets, massive imaging data sets, and they can pick up on things that no human eye would ever be able to. And so I think in many of the cases, it, it's accurate. You know, we may not exactly know why the algorithm is picking up on it, but in many cases, it turns out to be true. And it turns out to, or it, it really helps the overall diagnostic process. I think where there's probably mm. still some room for opportunity is continuing to help physicians and other clinical professionals have more trust in these systems and just more guidance into why the AI is is making a certain prediction. That's an area I'm monitoring very closely because of the advances both in the clinical setting as well as advances in some of those specific computer vision algorithms that are out there. Right. And I and I know this tends to be a bit of a touchy subject, but you're in a safe place. I'll say I, I know in the healthcare space, a huge concern in AI is this kind of dynamic of automation and not just automation, but white collar automation. And, you know, folks on the care side of HIPAA and working directly with patients tend to have this a stronger notion that AI is is kind of out to get their jobs. And as, as you're highlighting, as we've seen in so many other sectors, it's no, it's about AI being used as a tool like glasses to enhance what professionals are seeing and make it more accurate. And that seems to be the case being made in in diagnostics, especially with, with imagery, as, as you're saying here. Is that right? Yeah, I, I would agree with the second take that you mentioned where it's more of a more of a tool that's going to help better better assist clinical professionals the analogy that i, I think of is mm. 
you know, when, when computers were really first starting to come into the workforce, I think there were many of those similar concerns. Like, is it going to take away jobs? Like, what, what am I going to do in my job? Mm. And I think in, you know, in many cases, what it did is it, it made people a lot more productive. It also took away some of the tasks that would take hours, days, even months to do. I see that same analogy for, for using AI. Like it's really just another tool in the toolbox. And I think there are a lot of things that physicians and nurses have to do right now that they rather wouldn't so that they could actually focus more mm-hmm. of their time practicing their craft and really operating at the top of their license. Yeah, it seems to be kind of this tug of war of realizing what AI can do and bring to your job and also coming to the realization that AI is finite and can't do everything. So just to lean a little bit more on where is it not catching on? I know, especially in diagnostics, this seems to be or the the transformation here, as, as you were mentioning, seems to be driven by <laughs> image, by image data, because that that's that's very easy to to at least build a model around and and train and train a model on, especially, you know, cross-based and and for looking at images in different ways for a specific criteria like diagnosing cancer and and radiology. Now, taking a deeper look, where does, you know, AI's ability end in diagnostics? Where, Where have we seen and anticipated to take on, but not? I think in the, in the diagnosis process itself, so if we, if we pair it back, like let's say you go in and, and you see your primary care physician and you, know, you have a cold or some other minor ailments. Right now, it's very difficult for any type of AI algorithm or even solution to help fully diagnose what you have. And I think the reason for that is because the diagnosis process, it's not just based on medical journals or, or best practices a lot of it is done face-to-face. So there are a lot of visual cues. There's the unspoken body language. If somebody has a fever, they might be more red. So there's there's all of these other tactile elements that haven't yet been combined into a good enough solution. And so I, I see that as as taking longer than maybe people anticipated. And I think the other piece of that is when you are training an AI model on many of the the medical journals, the medical knowledge, in in many cases, there isn't necessarily that that ground truth, right? So medical knowledge is is changing, you know, year by year. Practices that were done in the past are either being discontinued or changed going forward. And that can make it difficult. It's part of the, the entire scientific process, the scientific method, which once again creates challenges for trying to integrate AI as a a part of the solution. It's very interesting because I'm going to jump ahead a little bit here because I find it relevant that we find with especially image data, there's huge applications of AI, but we can't really say or draw this line in the sand that it's definitely imagery where it takes off and language is just this, this, you know, dead zone. Because the other thing that we're seeing across healthcare that, that you mentioned in emails and I, and we can talk about even more later in the program is generative AI using large language models as an emerging use case and how things like chat GPT and similar technologies are making an impact on the healthcare space. What do you think differentiates that use case, say, from, you know, kind of other language based areas like you were just saying with, you know, training a model on on the academia, the, the studies? 
what's the big difference there in terms of like crossing that language barrier for mm-hmm. AI? I think what I've found interesting about chat GPT in being trained on, you know, many of the the large language corpuses that exist out there, in many cases, I think what it does is that it decentralizes just the medical industry as a whole. And it actually puts a lot more power in the hands of the patients. And that can be that can be positive in some ways where, you know, if you if you type in certain symptoms into chat GPT or you're looking for a certain medical course of action, it can offer up what it knows based on the training set. And I just want to caveat that by saying, you know, don't treat it as your doctor. This is more of a testing piece of it. But I think the flip side to that is you almost have like the WebMD problem, right? So when WebMD was was mm-hmm. huge back in the day when it first started, it seemed like almost every other time you would kind of get to a set of diagnoses and there would always be something like lupus or some other serious disease, which you know wasn't accurate in most cases, but it would scare people to, yep. to go into their doctors and they would think that they knew, okay, this is what I have. I just need to tell my doctor that. So I think there's there's pros and cons to the approach, but I'm all about putting more hands in the power of patients and healthcare consumers because I think it drives a better conversation and puts individuals more in charge of their health than they have been in the past. Yeah. I I just had a ton of flashbacks to college when you were mentioning WebMD (laughs) and all of the jokes about how, you know, no matter what you have, you either have, you know, cancer or or some kind of sexually transmitted disease, (laughs) you know. But 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 going in where with with this answer that you that you just gave, it it seems to me that at least in in the use case with chat GPT that, you know, the standards aren't aren't necessarily as high when we're talking about, you know, diagnostics, you know, the standard is can the AI give the full diagnosis? And it seems like at the end of that, there's this image of a robot doctor, (laughs) you know, or some program telling the patient you definitely 100 percent have cancer, whatever, based on this, this scan. And I think for, for the both of us, we both know, you know, elsewhere outside of healthcare and AI, that's not even the case, even when you were, where you're looking at AI's impact in credit card fraud, they don't let the AI as good as it is. And as accurate as it might be up until the 99th percentile, they don't let that make the decision. There's still a group of human beings who, you know, in a panel mode, at least for this this credit card fraud example I'm bringing up, that decides, all right, let's move forward with an investigation based on, you know, this data coming up and this and this signal leading us to believe there's fraud. Same thing in, correct me if I'm wrong, it seems to be the case even in the most trustworthy AI processes for diagnostics, those use cases you were mentioning in imagery, where even if the accuracy is in the 99 percentile, yeah, but you still need a human panel of doctors to really look at this and make the the final call. And I don't really know if we'll ever be there. You could correct again, correct me if I'm wrong, where the process is not just automated, but autonomized, you know, not no human beings involved. I don't even know if patients would really want to live in that world. Yeah, it's it's an interesting, it's an interesting scenario. And it's it's one that I've, I've thought a lot about from a few different angles. I, I think the first one to your point is that healthcare in general is a pretty heavily regulated environment. And I think just because you're not, you're not making widgets, right? You're, you're dealing with, with human life and changes here, changes there. 
can have a real negative impact on the health and, and the status of a patient. So there's always that element of, you know, you have to be extremely careful with many of these innovations. What I found very interesting, though, is that as as AI, as, as some of the, these models become just more and more accurate and are trained on better data sources, there are certain standpoints, and especially with radiology in some cases, where some of these algorithms are either at par or even starting to slightly outperform, you know, in, in some cases, board-certified physicians. And that's a very interesting development because... I think that needs to be studied a little bit more at scale and more in the real world. You know, you always have kind of your training, your testing data sets. But if we ever get to a point, whether it's in radiology or even in other diagnostics, where an AI solution generally outperforms board-certified physicians, I think then it becomes very difficult to say, well, why can't we have more of those autonomous decisions that are made? And I think that's yeah. where you, you get into the, the conversation around AI ethics and, you know, just because we can do it, should we do it? But if we did get to a point where, you know, and maybe another area of medicine where an AI solution was just vastly outperforming any medical practitioner, I think we'd have to have that conversation because I think you would have a group of the population that would say, well, you know what, even though this is not a human being doing it, it tends to lead to better outcomes. And I think that's where I'd like to see mm. more of that research done in a, in a safe and effective way. Very interesting. Now, I know we've drawn a little bit of a line in the sand, not the hardest. It's, it's porous. It's not only imagery diagnostics are where AI reigns supreme. But are there any places outside of imagery where AI are outperforming board certified doctors in making the call for diagnostics? You know, not that I've not that I've seen, but I, you know, it's it, it's mm. tough to read every every medical journal. I think. <laughs> oh, I, I think know. Radiology yeah. is just an area where you're starting to see some of that outperformance in test cases. I think the question still is, you know, as that's scaled up, will you see it across you know tens of thousands or even millions of cases? And mm. I think in, you know, in some of the other areas of of diagnostics or even in in broader healthcare. It's interesting to see things, you know, in the in the drug development space. I think that that's really taken off because there's so much drug development data that you can train algorithms on. So I, I see that as an area that, you know, may not be making more discoveries than, you know, just your average scientist. But I think it's definitely accelerating in terms of being able to do that. And then I think the the other place that that comes to mind is in using language and, and, and text data overall. So you know, things around physician yeah. notes, you know, anything that involves text as part of the process of being a patient or even as, as part of the, the broader healthcare ecosystem. You know, I think a few years ago, there were, there were a lot of opportunities around using sentiment and, and things like natural language understanding. I think that is also accelerating, but I don't, I don't think it's yet at a point where we would even expect it to outperform, you know, your, your average physician. Wrapping up today's episode, I know we wanted to save discussion of chat GPT for future episodes, but first off, I, I don't think we could help it just trying to draw a contrast to where we see AI's proliferation in 
image data versus text and language data. But what Elon says here about the use case, I think, is compelling and has broad crossover to the struggles that we see in the banking sector with conversational AI, specifically where Elon talks about how patient use of chat GPT is to help them get the best possible information as soon as they can, even if it's not perfect, so that patients can have a peace of mind about what they're going through, which, needless to say, improves outcomes. Something we'll get into in our next episode is why the difference in patient experience, say, to contrast those struggles we see in banking with conversational AI to improve the customer experience, is at the heart of why this use case is so successful. So even if you're not in the healthcare space and tuning into today's episode, I'm hoping you found it as enlightening as I did. On behalf of Daniel and the entire team here at Emerge, thank you so much for joining us today, and we'll catch you next time on the AI and Business Podcast.